0: So, I want to discuss the Sikha without the Sikha. I think it's smart. Okay. Everybody have a good scotch. No. <laughs> okay. So, the Sicha discusses
1: some essays, two particular essays that the Alta Rebbe, the first Chabad Rebbe, Rabbi Shnei Zalman wrote right before his passing. His passing is next week, which is why we're studying it now, 24th of Tavis. He passed away on a Shabbos night. And uh, one of these essays, which is in Tanya, in the letters section, Epistle 20, which is very famous, very mystical, he wrote on Friday, I believe, right before Shabbos. And the other one, he wrote literally after Shabbos, we know the time of his death. I think it was 1026 or something. So he wrote it right there. And he talked about a very righteous person. You know, the Alter Rebbe uh, was the Alter Rebbe. The Baal Shem Tov said about him that he's a new soul, which means he's not reincarnated. He's from a new level. He's, he's going to introduce a new concept to the world of Hasidism on a level of Kabat, etc. The Alter Rebbe said to his grandson, who will later be his successor, uh, the day, days, three days before his death, he says, I look at the beam of the building. I see the Devara Hashem, the letters of God's name that illuminate it. He wasn't a liar. So this was like a, a high, high level soul moments before his passing, which is the pinnacle of his life. And his life has been completed, etc. So what did he write? He write these two epistles. And the Rebbe says, but it's interesting that they both seem to turn their head, turn his entire teaching on its head, in a sense. In Tanya, and in much of Jewish philosophy, and much of Jewish mysticism, the emphasis is salvation lies in spirituality. And in those two essays, he said the truth really lies in physicality. It's like, it's like opposite. Obviously, they're not in conflict, but it's a deeper level or another level of a relationship. So let's start with the first that generally in the mysticism and Hasidism, you say you want to connect to God, you got to get spiritual. You can ask any mystic, you can ask any even philosopher. And certainly in in Hasidism, what is the goal of life? To live
0: more spiritual, less physical. That would be a true statement. Um, And uh, even in Judaism itself, the mitzvahs that have physical
1: acts, which is most of them. But if you read Tanya in numerous places, chapter four, he quotes in chapter uh, another chapter 35. Those are the two chapters where he talks about it. The spiritual aspect of the mitzvah is really the purpose. The soul wants to cleave to God. The soul feels a love and a connection. How do you connect to God? If not through love, how do you connect to anybody with love? However, you can only cleave to God through the mitzvahs because the barrier between us and God is, is insurmountable because he's infinite. So therefore we can only cleave to God when God reaches out to us. And God reaches out through the mitzvahs. And therefore uh, the mitzvahs are the connection. But what are they accomplishing? They're accomplishing the spiritual. It's almost like envision a candle. A candle has a flame and a wick. What is the purpose? The purpose is the wick. The purpose is the flame. But you need a wick to hold the flame. The same thing is you tell a yid, I want you to do the mitzvahs. In the physical realm, is the purpose the physical? It's just an act. The purpose is the flame. Aha! You do the amidst your soul feels a connection to God. It cleaves to God. We're trying to get away from the physical. Physical is temporary with all the negatives of physical. Spiritual is wonderful. That is the general attitude, which makes a lot of sense. Let's explore that a minute. Why is spiritual
0: so much nicer than physical? Because spiritual means real. Physical means happenstance. Let me explain that. I remember as a kid, I don't know if I ever told you the story, I was, I was mugged, if you want to call it,
1: in broad daylight on a Friday afternoon. Was a big, tough guy. He's literally twice my size. Maybe I was 13 or 14 or 15 years old. And he took a knife to my neck. I ever tell told you the story? Tiny little blade. Tiny, but it was you know. Now we know that a blade can take down airplanes. And
0: I'm walking the street on Friday afternoon. I'm holding my tefillin. And and this fellow comes up to me, big guy, puts it right
1: to my neck. Says, Give me the sack. I gave him the sack. The story had a happy ending because. Some policeman who been walking the beach for a very long time saw somebody running with something under his bag and uh, stopped him. And about two minutes later, they came around the block with the sack. I was just by mitzvah then. Maybe I was 15, 14, and the sack is kind of expensive. And I was very upset. I mean, you know, my parents got me the best tefillin, and here they're like gone. Actually, it wasn't even my tefillin, it was my father's tefillin. Because on Friday afternoons, we would close the books at the yeshiva. We would go to the city and go to the stores. We all have mitzvah routes to put tefillin with people. And since I'm left-handed, I didn't take my tefillin because most people are not left-handed. So I took my father's tefillin. And um, my father's tefillin have a lot of meaning to him. He's wearing it for many years. Bar Hashem. And here they were gone. And we got it back. But I remember, why am I telling you this story? I remember the thought that went through my mind you know, I was a pretty good student, or at least I thought I was. I only found out later how much I don't know. But when I was in yeshiva, I was into it. I was into it. And a Friday afternoon for yeshiva boys, like after the whole week and the custom is as many yeshivas that you spend Thursday night studying. Um, I was in the world of ideas. I don't want to make myself better than I was. But at least I thought I was. But that's the world that I lived in. A Talmud, the Hasidic philosophy, and and we did we did our best for our level. We would sit for hours, and I'm in the world of ideas, and I and I remember walking down the street, and I was thinking about whatever it was that we studied the night before. Um, philosophy, Hasidism, legalities, ideas. That's the world of a Yeshiva boy. It's really supposed to be the world of every Jew to some degree, which is why we study Torah. It's not unhealthy if you're uh, if you're by the dentist chair and in between patients. You have time and you think about what we learned on Sunday. That's that's the Jewish way. That's why you study Torah. The mind, whenever it's available, we move it to Torah. So it's, and, and suddenly this guy comes And and, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I remember thinking to myself, I want to say to this guy, why are you taking my bag? Just because you're bigger than me. Let's discuss it. The world that I lived in who wins? The one who, who, who makes sense. Let's have a conversation. Thankfully, I didn't go there. But in concept, I couldn't understand. It didn't make sense to me, like at that moment. it's uh, it, This may sound a little strange, but to me, this is like a memory. You're big, and that's why you get it. Let's discuss. If you win, you get it. That's the difference between spirituality and physicality. Spirituality has to make sense. Spirituality means We call divine light, divine energy. What does it mean in plain language? Something that expresses a truth, expresses a message. Love is spiritual. Ideas are spiritual. Two plus two equals four is spiritual. Go through all the levels of of, of, um, ideas that you learned in school. It's all spiritual. And then, of course, uh, beyond that, the heavenly spheres, whatever it is, they have a message. Spirituality means it is a light that is reflecting an idea. Precedes it, it says something. And therefore, it says a certain degree of truth. Physical doesn't have to say anything. I get the sack just because I want it. I don't have to have any reason. I don't have to discuss it with you. I want it, I get it. If you think about it, that's disgusting. That's what physical is. I'm here because I'm here. And that's why in in Judaism and in Tanya and etc. In most areas of Jewish thinking, including not only Hasidism, but in Musa, certainly. What is the goal? Refine the body. Don't let the body be so important. The body is a good, important vehicle. You can't have a candle without a wick. But if you focus on the wick, you're an idiot. It's about the flame. Another very good illustration of how spiritual is so much more meaningful, so much more valuable. It's explained that we talk about the world of angels. We don't know what angels are. We don't see them. But apparently they're spiritual beings. Think of them as spiritual people. They have bodies, but not physical bodies. They have shape and form in the spiritual sense, and they have a message, they have a mission. There's a principle, and this is rooted in a biblical verse. There are no two angels that are on the same level. The biblical verse that says, Gavola may al Gavoa. One is above the other. You talk about the vision of Ezekiel, the vision of Isaiah, whatever. When they saw angels, one is higher than the other in There's no two angels on the same rung. And why not? If you have a wide enough ladder, you can have five people on the ladder in the same rung. And the answer is because if two angels are on the same plane, what does an angel mean? A spiritual being that comprehends God to a certain degree, that comprehends truth or light or whatever it is over there that goes on to a certain degree. If the two of them are on the same level, they're the same thing. Just like you can't have two ideas that are the same. If you have two mathematical equations and they're exactly the same,
0: so they actually are the same thing. You can write them down on two pieces of paper. Right? The idea of two plus two is four.
1: I use that idea because I can understand it. You can write it on one paper and another paper, but they're really the same idea. You can have two apples and two apples and you can have two pairs and two pairs, but really in terms of the idea of it, they're exactly the same. So spirituality you can't duplicate the same thing. It's got to be higher or lower. Different. And the reason for that is because it... In Yiddish is a good word. Learn this word. He's saying something. When we were in yeshiva, the professor would give a Torah class. And then some of the kids who were smart or wanted to be smart, they would try to argue back. And he would say, shh. And once in a while, he would say, He's saying something. Spirituality is octopus. It's making a point. If you're making a point, you can't make the same point twice. It's the same point. Whereas in physical, take a chair. A chair in spiritual is a concept, something you sit on. But in physical, I can make 10 chairs that look exactly the same. And they're all here. I can make 10,000 chairs. So a philosopher walks into the room and says, why all these chairs? Chair is chair. You have another chair. And the answer is, you're stupid. In the world of physical, you're not here because the zuck steppers, because you have a message. You're here because you're here. In the physical realm, if you take up space, just like the guy who took away my sack, my tefillin, if I'm in your face, I'm here. This chair has a message of sitting and whatever chair means. This chair has the duplicate exact message. And then you did it, you multiplied a 1,000 cheers. No, in the physical realm, it doesn't have to say anything. It just has to be. And to the spiritualist, and to a person in the realm of ideas, it's irrelevant. That's, that's, that's just a duplication. It's a lie. It's a world that just argues, I'm here, do me something, deal with me. I'm here, I'm in your face. Whereas anything beyond the physical realm, and Hasidism and Kabbalah tells us the physical realm is a very small plane. Spiritual worlds, and many spiritual realms, anything in the world of the spiritual, it has a message. And therefore, it's just an introduction to understand why Hasidism and Torah is very much into it, looks at us. And what are we? We're a mixed bag. We have a soul that's completely spiritual, even divine. We have a body that's physical. And we have a choice to live our lives by the former or the latter as the primary. We have to live both as a partnership. Body and soul are Siamese twins, and both have to be happy to a degree.
0: However, what is the main reason the So, if my life is going to be just about taking care of this, what's
1: this? It's here because it's here. I have a soul. It has a message. It talks about ideas. It talks about purpose. It talks about eternity. It talks about God try to live the level of the soul. And this becomes, and this is in many Torah works and in Hasidic works, it's asked, what is the purpose of man? And, and, uh, and many statements are said, including the overpowering of
0: form over matter within ourselves. Because we have both. Let the soul outshine the body. The truth is that a person uh, if you, uh, uh, not only a person but anything
1: it's considered beautiful when we see more form than matter someone makes a piece of furniture forget about a person for a second someone makes a piece of furniture when do you say that it's beautiful when you don't see the wood so much you see the, 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 the craftsmanship of course you're seeing the wood but when you see it, you say it's beautiful because you're seeing the soul of it you're seeing the craftsmanship when you look at a piece of wood and you see wood the guy didn't do a good job Arguably, today they have all kind of opposite thinking. Give me something raw and rustic. But I'm just making their point. the point. It's ending a person. To Hasidic eyes, what's a beautiful person? You know, the world is looking just beautiful features. To the eyes of Torah, what's a beautiful person? A person, you look at the body, you see
0: soul. Of course you're seeing a body. You can't have a flame without a wick. But you see soul, you see life, you see joy, you
1: see love, you see something. You see I'm, I'm, as a cnepus. If you look at a
0: person, you just see physical, even though he can look pretty and make his face like this. You know, ugh! You're taking my phone just because you're bigger than me. What gives you, like Manus Friedman, when the words of Manus
1: Friedman would be, you're existing, you're not living. Okay, so that's the introduction.
0: It's an important introduction, though. It's, it's half the battle. And this is why Judaism is described, Tanya and elsewhere, as
1: spiritual, let's call it spiritually focused, uh, spiritual-centric, even though a lot of Judaism is physical, including all the mitzvahs, and including us, the body that does it. But what's it all about? To feel love to God. To truly love God, to connect to God, to cleave to God, to have this spiritual connection that says something,
0: but you can't do that without mitzvahs, either mitzvahs. Comes along, you're with me so far, right? It's, it's straightforward, right, so far. Hopefully it'll be straightforward throughout. You might be thinking, if spiritual is so much nicer than physical, and it
1: is. I want to give you an example. I had a teacher, Rabbi Khan, I talked to you about him once in a while, the Rebbe Scribe. He's a brilliant man. When he was young, he was very handsome. When he got old, he wasn't so handsome. He lived a long life until 90 years old.
0: I love looking at him. Just from the physical presence. To me, it was beautiful. To you, it would also be beautiful.
1: Because you know, a person who's, who's just saturated with ideas, with goodness. This was a man who was probably a genius. If they'd study his brain, you know what I mean? They would put him in the books. And he would walk around the shul in 770 or near the ohel, and he would say hello to every shmendrik. Remember when I was in yeshiva, I'm 22 years old. Hello, boss It's a guy who's off the charts. He was so refined in every way. he was just a real, what a human being should be. He wasn't a wick, he was a flame. He died last year, some of you might remember. It was a Friday, I went to the funeral. There was so much sadness. I'm putting aside the Rebbe's funeral. I've never been to a funeral, where, and he had no relatives. He had no children of his own, not by his choice, obviously. There was so much sadness. The guy lived till 90. We have 10,000 videos and tapes and books of his.
0: We'll never finish reading what he wrote. So, so why are we sad? He was so good, so beautiful. In
1: the language of the mystics, in the language of the, the philosophers, the form has overtaken matter. It's a beautiful
0: thing. Like I'm telling you, example, even with a table. The question might be, though, if that's what Judaism is about, the spiritual, so why did God make the mitzvahs physical? use an example that applies to all of us. You have a mezuzah on your door, Aha! connecting to
1: God. Why do you have a mezuzah that's physical? You should have a mezuzah that's spiritual. Spiritual is so much better. There are mitzvahs that are spiritual, but very few. Right? What's an example of mitzvahs that are spiritual? Torah study. Even though there too, we're supposed to speak it. but Nevertheless, much of it is here. Prayer is mostly spiritual, even though you're supposed to speak it. So you see, they still want it to be touching down in the physical. Even those mitzvahs that are spiritual, Torah study, prayer, loving God, being in awe of God, loving your fellow. Still, they have many, many physical applications. And the vast majority of mitzvahs are physical. The mitzvahs is a good example. Like, why? Physical is is, is ugly. It doesn't say anything. So I want to give you an explanation that's given in Hasidus. And it's explained, we talked about this in the past, in other words. If the purpose of the creation, a God wants to share his infinite light. There are many discussions and classics why God made this whole world to begin with. But ultimately, the various answers boil down to the same thing. Some of you are familiar with the term, Dina he wants a home in the lowest world. In plain English, a God wants to share himself with us. But he loves us. He's a loving guy. He can't help himself. He wants kids. What do you need kids for? They're expensive. The only reason you want kids, because you want to share. And you want to share with something that's an extension of yourself. And you want to give your whole self. And all of that is only possible with your own kids. And that's what creation is. And that's what the human race is. And that's what the Jewish people are. He
0: wants to share. And what does he want to share? He wants to share his full infinity. So the way to share his full infinity
1: is to create something that is so distant from truth, which is physical. And spirituality will permeate even there. A small candle will, will illuminate a small room. A flame will illuminate a bigger room. A giant flame will go very really far. The ray of the sun can go millions of miles. Hashem's light, where do you see the infinity of Hashem's light? In the place of distance or darkness. And therefore God made physicality, including us and the physical things that were used for mitzvahs. Physicality is very distant. You now know why it's called distant. It doesn't say anything. It's a place that just speaks about itself. It doesn't even know that there's a creator. It's like, it's like a lie. And in that place you can find light. That means the light is very great. The light is infinite or the example of the greater teacher can teach the kid in kindergarten. So the light goes very far. And therefore, we now understand the system. Purpose is spirituality. Purpose is accessing God's light.
0: But where do you get the biggest light when you go the furthest away? When I was a kid, apologize. This is developing as I'm going in my own head. When I was a kid in Crown Heights, there was a guy
1: on a block that was a minor league baseball player, and he became a baltchuva. You know, in Crown Heights, a lot of people came baltchuvas, half of the community or more were not born in Chabad. And this guy was a really cool guy. I still see him once in a while. I love him. Michael Brummel, his name is. And he was, uh, you know, like a triple A team. Like he he was this close to the major leagues. Then he drank the Kool-Aid. I don't know if that's why he left. I don't know if that's why, I don't know the story. Um, so we were baseball kids. So we would love to go out with him to play. You know, not that he played with us. The guy was married with kids. We were 10 but when he would come out, we were in the street stickball. And he would take a baseball and throw it up, you know, and you couldn't see it. And then it came down. If we wanted if we wanted to throw far, he was afraid to throw far because if he wouldn't catch it, it would be dangerous for the cause. But the occasions that we took him to the park, we would we, we, he would by home plate and we were like by the fence. Why'd we go so far away? You want to connect with a guy who's a pro, stay close. Uh uh-uh. uh. You're not going to get anything by staying close. You're not trying to get Michael Brummel. you're trying to get his prowess, his light. You want to get light, you want to see more light, go further away. Just like the example of the teacher, you want to see a good teacher, bring him a kindergarten, see if he can explain it. Then you know he really knows his stuff. And he would throw it. So Hashem, so to speak, did the same thing. This is one of the explanations why Hashem's wish is a home in this world, And all the mitzvahs are physical. They're not make-believe. They're not symbols. They're really Hashem's will. He wants the physical mezuzah. He wants you to eat the matzah, even though it has. But the purpose of the matzah is really the spiritual, the faith that it gives you and the health that it gives you and all the good stuff, the connection to the divine. But the greatest connection is when it's furthest away. I love my example. It's such a mundane example. That's a good example. He would throw
0: the ball really far. We saw how great a pitcher he is. So that is the model of the way we normally look at the, uh, the
1: plan of Torah and mitzvahs and God. If it's a candle, it's all about the flame. The wick is important just to serve the flame. All the physicality of our bodies and the world and the mitzvahs in the physical, they're only there to serve the spiritual, but the spiritual reigns supreme. And, and he even quotes in the Sikha, what is the life of a tzaddik? Faith and love and awe and everything else is just means to achieve it. Why does Tzadik have physical life and do physical things? Because that's how you can uh,
0: access the, the, the highest light.
1: Okay. Comes along the altar, Rebbe. Comes along the altar, Rebbe. He's just passing away. He's about to go to the realm of the spiritual. And he gives two teachings that seem to turn the whole thing on its head. And he says there's something even deeper than the spiritual. And
0: that is... You can find God in the physical itself. And he says it in both teachings. I'm not going to get into
1: the details unless we have time. I don't think we will. But I don't think it's that important. You could read it yourself. The point is the message. And he turns around and he says, I want you to know the value of doing a physical mitzvah, of doing a favor to somebody. You don't feel love of Hashem. You don't understand the meaning. You don't have any spirituality." We often think that our mitzvahs are, are, are really secondhand, secondary. We're secondhand goods because we don't really feel it, you know, as maybe the sages or the higher level Jews or prior generations, because we're busy with physicality. We just do most of the time, we do the mitzvah just because we do it. Says the Alta Rebbe right before his passing. I'm going to tell you a little secret. Don't tell anybody. That is infinitely greater. The wick is where it's
0: at, not the flame. The body is where it's at, not the soul. That's why Judaism says the ultimate
1: ultimate final error is resurrection of the dead in the physical, not in heaven. Uh, The the mitzvah, the the physical mezuzah on your door, that's why it has to be kosher, that's where it's at, not because that will bring down divine light and it will say something. It doesn't say anything. It's just the mezuzah.
0: That's even greater. How does that make any sense? So it's explained. It's explained that that.
1: We finished. We just finished it when we started today, criticizing physicality and laughing at it. It's in your face. It's like a bunch of chairs that say the same thing. Like I said, why are you here? Or like the guy who's taking my villain just because he's bigger and stronger. We're looking down at physical, because it doesn't say anything. It's just here because it's here, without a reason, without a purpose, without a message. The only thing that's like that is the physical world. And that's why we call it the lowest world, because it's like, it doesn't say anything. It's stupid. It's just in your face. But you know what else is like that? There's one other thing, one other
0: being, if you will, that's like that. And that's God. Not godly light. The mystics make a
1: big distinction between God and godly light. The terms is Eloka and elokut. Eloka is God. Elokut is godliness. Everything we talked about now is godliness. is godly light and souls and feelings and connections and angels and, and all the sephiroth that we talk about on high is godly light. there's tremendous light. But what about God? God's essence. We don't talk about it a lot because it's undefined. But one thing we know about it is that we know nothing. Or in other words, God's, God's essence, he doesn't say anything. He's like a chair. He's here because he's here. And it needs to be that way, because if God is here for a reason, that means God's not the truth. God doesn't have a reason. God doesn't have a message. God doesn't have to say anything. God is the message. So,
0: and this is a Kabbalistic principle, the end is rooted in the beginning. This lowest world is really God's deepest plan. Why? Ha! Because in this lowest world where
1: things don't say anything, just speak about themselves, it's a reflection of God's highest beyond all the worlds that the mystic will tell you about. They'll make a big map, and there's three worlds, and then there's Atilot, and then there's the crown, and then there is the big bang of Kabbalah, and then there's the world of chaos, and there's the Tzimtzum, and all this stuff. It's all happening in the light. They're all giving all kinds of messages about how great God is. But what about God? God is just God. So the, the fact that there that exists something without a why, namely physicality, is a reflection of the highest. The physical is the lowest. We said before, it's ego. It just is because it is. I get the sack because I'm bigger than you. It's terrible. It's disgusting. It's ugly. But you know what? It reflects the greatest. It reflects that which is the ultimate truth. Namely, God is what God is, period. There is no why and what. This is a little hard to understand because we're not defining it. What does it mean, God's essence? But I'm going to give you an example, which I think brings this home, and you will relate to it. In Hasidism, there is a discussion there's the light and there's the essence. You know, I can have a great teacher, he's giving me ideas, that's his light. But when I have a chance to give him a hug, in a certain way, it is an essence. I heard a great story. That there was a, uh, a Hasidic Jew in the old country, in Russia, 70, 80 years ago, who was exiled, as many Hasidim were, because they were teaching Torah and building mikvahs, whatever they did. He was sent away in exile, and he spent a bunch of years in exile. When he left, his wife was pregnant with twins. I know the family. I knew these twins. They lived in Israel. They would come to New York every year to visit the Rebbe. They just passed away maybe 20 years ago. We knew them. So he's sent away from home, and he has a wife that's pregnant with twins. And he misses the birth, he misses the bris, he misses, I don't know how many years, five years later, till he sees him. So his wife wanted to try to keep him in the loop. So she sent him occasionally pictures. It took a lot of muscle to get through to him, whatever she would send. Everything was censored or whatever, and a lot of it got lost. But when he got, he described the joy he had when he got a picture of the kids.
0: They're a year old. They're two years old. You can see them. It's special. But then when they had their hair cut, let me tell you the story. She cut off some of their locks and she mailed it to him. He said when he got the locks, he cried. He got the picture. It was very special. He got the locks. What's the locks? There's nothing. He can't see a thing.
1: He says, I'm, I'm touching my son. That is a good analogy for the difference between what Hasidus says, divine light or divine essence. Not just divine and anybody. You know, you have a relationship with someone close to you. There's a light, they talk to you, you connect, you share ideas, and then there's an essential bond. Certainly a parent and a child have an essential bond.
0: And uh, so... He's holding on to the locks, even though you see nothing. I don't have to see anything.
1: I'm holding him. So this is way the Alta Rebbe explains in these two essays, right before his passing. Spiritual is all good, but Hashem is not spiritual. Hashem is Hashem. Spirituality is only a mechanism with which to connect, just like the baby is not, is not in the picture.
0: But I need to connect. To, I have a light. How do you see a person? You look at them. If they're far away, you send them a picture.
1: You don't have them, but you're getting something, you're getting light. And that's the whole system of spirituality, including the angels and the souls and all the sephira and all the realms that we speak about. And all of the feelings, the spirituality that we have, we understand Hashem a little bit. We feel that love, especially in the righteous on a very high level. It's all good, but it's all light. It's all pictures, it's all video. It's all linkages to truth. It says the Alter Rebbe in this, these two discourses, grab a pair of it and put it on. You're holding the locks. You're holding Hashem. There's no other way to say it. And therefore it feels very mundane. And often you do the mitzvah, you don't feel anything, you're not inspired. Even better Sometimes. The Alter Rebbe is indicating here almost that sometimes you do the mitzvah without feeling. In a sense, it's even greater because the feeling is a distraction. When he got the locks, he didn't want to see the picture. He just closed his eyes. There's nothing to see. It's beyond seeing. It is. And that is what he explains in these two essays.
0: And the Rebbe explains here that this is... Are we following? You hearing me? You
1: hearing the two sides? This is revolutionary, so to speak, of the Alter Rebbe, but the Rebbe really explains it. If one reads these two essays, eh, they don't know exactly. The Rebbe really puts it down, and this is the Rebbe's approach. I don't think that we're less than because we don't have such spiritual levels and we don't always feel Hashem.
0: So what? We do the mitzvah just because, in a way it's greater. All right? So that becomes the two sides of the discussion.
1: Is the candle here for the wick, for the flame, or the flame is here for the wick? What is the primary thing? Again, both are true. We shouldn't be foolish to throw out the baby with the bathwater. We're supposed to make a home for God in this world, and a home has to be illuminated. So that's the two sides. Do the mitzvah. but Do it with feeling. We shouldn't throw out the baby with the bathwater. We should have both. But, there's, but the Alter Rebbe on his deathbed, so to speak, before he's going to ascend to heaven, which explained in Tanya itself that when a person's ready to pass away, especially a righteous person, that's the culmination of his whole mission. The last night of his life, he turns around and says, you know what the mission is really about? This is the Alter Rebbe, this great Torah giant, this great Hasidic mystic who introduced a whole new system. And it's all about spirituality. It's all about ideas. It's all about allowing a Jew to feel Hashem and to love Hashem. It seems to be all about the light. Because let me tell you something. That's all an introduction for you to understand that it's really beyond the light. It's really about touching Hashem. And when you do a physical mitzvah, when someone's
0: hungry and you feed them, you don't feel anything. You just do it. You have a doorpost, you put them as a... Sizzle. It's Pesach. You
1: eat the matzah. You make the kiddish. You feel, you don't feel. You are touching the essence. There's nothing lacking. And therefore that becomes his last will and testament, if you will. And that becomes taking it all to a, you might say, to a deeper level. We once discussed this, Michael may remember when we used to do Tanya Shabbos mornings, that there was a, we discussed this story. That the fifth Rebbe of Chabad, the, Rebbe, the Rebbe's grandfather it were Rebbe's grandfather, Reb Shalom Bear was his name. So, one of his students was a very lofty student, and he was a very high level, he would pray for many hours, and he also would fast. And um, he it's not something that the Rebbe encouraged by us at all, but there was such a thing, people would fast, again, to remove themselves from the physical. This person fasted 40 years. Obviously, he didn't fast 40 years straight. But he fasted 40 years. That's the language. I don't know if that means that he only ate at night. We basically fasted 40 years. Because of the fasting 40 years, he died prematurely. What do you know? (laughs) Surprise, surprise. He obviously was not in the greatest health. And when he passed, the Rebbe, the Rebbe Rashab said, it's a pity.
0: Because as great as it is to fast 40 years, it's not equal to missing one day of tefillin. Fasting 40 years, obviously the man was on a level, he was connected, he was inspired.
1: It's not equal to to, to one day of tefillin, you're touching the divine. But then the second half of the statement was, but to appreciate the value of one day of tefillin, you have to fast 40 years. The reason why I like that statement is because it understands both sides. You open up Tanya, you open up Torah. There is a lot of Judaism that's about the spiritual. And that was the teaching of the altar Rebbe his whole life until that last moment. You have to proverbially fast 40 years. You have to study Torah and understand that it's all about the love and the connection and the spirituality. Otherwise, you're here and Hashem is there. You got to connect. You can't live a life just about the materialism. That's disgusting. But ultimately, when a person becomes a little more refined, the Alta Rebbe says to them, You're very into the spiritual. You fasted 40 years. Now I want you to know what it's all about. One time to fill and surpasses the whole fasting. You're touching the essence of Hashem. And that's how I understand this Sikha to be saying. The Alta Rebbe brought the message through his whole life in one fashion and he brought it home beautifully. And then he turned around and said that there's something even beyond. And both of this will become an area when Mashiach comes. Hashem is revealed in the physical. We will see it. There will be a light, but it will be in the physical realm where Hashem's essence is felt. And um, ultimately, it comes down to, uh, to the essence. Um, and the Rebbe finishes the Sikha by saying that the Alta Rebbe is the one who brought this home because he focused on the Baal Teshuvah. The Alta Rebbe even said that he was continuing the teachings of the Magad of Mezrich, his teacher at Shemtov, but he specialize in the area of not just training people to be tzaddik and righteous people, but baltruva, people who tasted sin. And that was his specialty, to embrace and bring in and elevate the sinners, so to speak. So the Rebbe says that it fits right in. What is the value of a sinner that he has, a baltruva, over someone who didn't sin, that he's able to elevate even that which is a sin? A righteous person who doesn't really sin, they never get to elevate the lowest thing. Maybe they elevate physical because they do tefillin with the physical tefillin. They make kiddush on physical wine. But on kosher wine, they can't elevate because they never had it. Whereas a person who said and he had the proverbial on kosher wine, and then he does chuva, and a person does chuva in a deep way, in a real way. The language is that if you do chuva out of love on a higher level, you actually transform the sin to a mitzvah. Whatever the explanations are, it's not really the place here, but when a person is does sin, they feel distant. And the sin itself, the distance, makes them heart grow fonder and brings them to a greater propels them to a greater closeness. The sin becomes a mitzvah. So in the end of the day, they end up elevating even the most distant thing. And that's, to so the Tshuva, has an edge. Tshuva says there's nothing that's not part of Hashem. Even sin can be elevated. Because ultimately Hashem is everywhere. And that
0: mirrors this conversation, that mirrors this conversation, that uh, find Hashem not in the heavens and in the feelings and in the soulfulness
1: of your mitzvahs, but in the physical. Don't find them in the videos and the pictures of him, but find them in the locks of his hair. Find them in that which is uh, seemingly just physical, because he's everywhere. Just to make it, I'm not going to run away, Alan. I'm going to I'm going to stay a few minutes because I didn't let you ask
0: anything. But I want to just complete the picture with one more thought, if I may. That based on this. So the Rebbe expresses this in both of the
1: the teachings of the Alter Rebbe said at that last moment. So just briefly to go through them. That one of the first teaching, which is the Tanya, Epistle 20. Brings out the idea of doing, the value of doing mitzvahs in the physical as opposed and as as superior, if you will, to spirituality and even feelings. And he expresses the idea we said earlier, that in the physical, it is what it is because it is. It doesn't have a why, and which is a reflection, really, even though nominally it's very lowly. But it's a reflection of the essence of Hashem, which is without a why. The second a uh, uh, thing that he discusses is a Ashima, a, a short little note that he wrote, apparently, on Shabbos night, right before his death. And in that discussion, he discusses the idea of, uh, of living in the physical world, taking care of people, helping people, taking care of your family, the value of physical life in and of itself. And he brings down that the Medrash says,
0: When the world, when Hashem wanted to create the world, the attribute of truth said don't create it. Because it's full of lies.
1: Why is it full of lies? Do I have to explain? We just said. What's the physical world? It doesn't say anything. It's it's not garnished. It doesn't bespeak its creator. The way to Mashiach for the physical world, right? I've told you this in the past, when Mashiach comes, when you want to Pick the, the fig on Shabbos. The fig is going to say, how could you pick me at Shabbos? But until then, the physical world says, do what you want. The physical world doesn't say anything. As we discussed, as we explained earlier, it just speaks about its own existence. If we're able to graduate to physical, then please, let's not do that. But some sages have tried it. And some of them have come back. Anywhere above this physical realm, even in the spiritual aspect of Asia, the lowest of the worlds. And certainly beyond that, even in the world of intellect, in the world of art and music, the minute you graduate to physical, everything has a message. It says something. It says love. It says joy. It says sadness. It says bitterness. It says something. The physical just says
0: existence. And that's why the attribute of truth said don't create. God has a system because of his humility.
1: He consults his attributes, if you will, his angels, his ministers, whatever you want. and. However, the attribute of kindness says, yeah, you should create. The world will be filled with kindness. This is a medrash, It's classic oral Torah. The attribute of truth said, don't create a world, it's full of lies. The attribute of kindness said, but it's full of kindness, because there's so much need in this world. And we can help, and we can create kindness. In the spiritual realms, there's less less need. I don't know, if angels, you know, need a doctor to tell them what's happening in their tonsils or whatever else.
0: There's no needs. Here we have needs, and the attribute of kindness, one of them. This is the medrash. So, if you read this medrash, and the Alta Rebbe elaborates it on uh, in
1: in this little uh, essay, if you will, his final essay, that on the face of it, the Hasidim could say that any physical pursuits they give your family, helping other people, just because they need it, not because they're going to do a lot of mitzvahs, not because of, just because it's the right thing to do. Doesn't seem valuable. It's it's the world of lies. How does that make Hashem known? The whole thing is a lie. Aha, it's a concession. The attribute of kindness won over. And Hashem's a nice guy. He said, yeah, let's do it. But the whole thing is a lie. And therefore, if by virtue of that medrash, why would a person do good deeds in this world? Only because either because they are, don't mind living a lie or because they have discovered a spiritual aspect. I'm helping you with your needs because then you're going to do a mitzvah. You follow? I, I'm finding a spirituality within it. And here the Alter Rebbe says, no, 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 just do the physical for its own sake. So the Rebbe illuminates it. And the Rebbe says, wait a minute, let's elaborate this medrash, let's analyze it. The medrash says, the attribute of truth said, don't create, the world's full of lies. Only because of kindness, which is not so true. You know, we've often talked about Moses and Aaron. Moses is the truth, and Aaron is kindness. And Aaron would bend the truth in order to make peace. Because kindness is more important than truth. At the end of the day, it's not true. Says the Rebbe, you're telling me the whole world is not true? Open up Maimonides, his magnum opus, Mishnah Torah, the first line of the first book. He says, the world was created, me the matzo, from the truth of God's essence. Maimonides doesn't lie. Maimonides is an authority. One of the authority. So here the Medrish says that what that the attribute of truth would not allow creation, it was only a concession to the attribute of kindness. And God said, Yeah, let's do it. And Maimonides in his book of laws, chapter one, verse one, says that the whole thing came into being only from
0: the truth of his being. Unquote. Truth doesn't say kindness. The Rebbe explains. I apologize
1: that I'm going on, and Alan, I promise I'm not going to leave you hanging. But I feel like this is helpful. Uh, The Rebbe says that um, the Rebbe differentiates between the attribute of truth and truth in essence. Truth as an attribute. What does an attribute mean? What is the message? You look at the world, you don't see truth. But Hashem's essence, as Maimonides calls it, the essence of Hashem's truth that's the source of everything. You find something that looks untrue. How could it not be connected to Hashem? If Hashem is the truth, everything is part of Hashem. And here I have a good analogy for this as well, which the Rebbe explains elsewhere. Imagine I'm a great teacher, and I have an important message to convey to the world. So there's two ways to do it. One way is I get up, and I and I maybe, I'm, you know, I have a lot of people there, and I'm trying to give them the message. and I. Tell them. And maybe I'm very convincing and I'm very strong. I'm very, I have a good argument. And the people say, yeah, we concede. That's one way. It's a top-down way. The other way is, and this is the way of a greater teacher, that you're able to point out to the people that what you're saying they already know. And if, it's, if something is true, everybody knows it. If something is really true, everybody knows it, because everybody's part of truth. The only thing is, that it has to be pointed out to them that they know it. And that becomes the ultimate teacher. I mean, even a good teacher can sometimes do that. We talk about that's the difference between the revelation at Sinai and the revelation of Mashiach, which is why Sinai was temporary and Mashiach will be permanent. Revelation at Sinai Hashem came like the teacher, and he shined his light, and the whole world trembled. He's so smart. He's so amazing. He's so brilliant. He's so infinite. We we give up. He won. But it doesn't mean yet that we're convinced. It just means that we don't have an argument back. And therefore, when we were able, when the light disappeared, we went off and we sinned and we had the exile destruction. The time of Mashiach, the world will feel Hashem's presence from itself. The world will realize that truth is everywhere. So that second teacher is much greater. You follow? I'm not just convincing you, but I'm I'm showing that you know it all. What because if something is true, everyone reflects that truth. And says the Rebbe, that's the difference. The attribute of truth says, show me truth in the world. I don't see it. So the world was only created because of kindness, as a concession. Says the Rebbe, the, the language of the Altar Rebbe is quoting the Medrish, the attribute of truth, truth as a as a light, as a as a picture, as a video, as using the analogy earlier. You don't see truth in the world. I need, But from the purpose of it, from the point of view of Hashem's essence, quoting Maimonides, Amititimotso, the essence of his being, from the point of view of Hashem's essence, I have to see truth. Truth is seen, truth is. I have to win the argument. Everyone knows it. Just let them see what they themselves know. And therefore, it says the Rebbe, that's what the Rebbe is saying. He's not just saying, no, unfortunately, we're a very lowly generation. He touches upon that. At our cursory level, that's how a person could read that that essay. We're a low generation. We can't see the light, so we live in darkness. But what should you do? There's nothing better that we have. We'll go with the kindness, even though it's not true. We're living lies. Says the Rebbe, no. Our simple lives, doing the right thing, taking care of people's needs, doing the mitzvah just on the physical, etc., etc., they are not from the attribute of truth. They're from the truth itself, because when you touch the essence, everything is part of the truth, which is exactly a reflection of the first part of our discussion, that the arrogance of the physical chair is a reflection of the truth of Hashem's existence. It doesn't have a why, it is what it is. Similarly, truth is everywhere when you talk about the essential truth, and therefore live in the physical realm, and you'll find Hashem right there. So this becomes... A little bit of what the sikh is talking about. I'm sorry that I went on so long.
0: I'm pausing this so we don't have to worry about what we discuss.